An updated look at the most talented rosters for the 2022 college football season, including where the Wolverines stand and more on the season premiere of Michigan Podcast next. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. <laughs> Brady gets terrific. Clemson and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Colazar at the five. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Welcome to the season premiere of Michigan Podcast, the premiere of our sixth season, if you can believe it already. I am Steve Dace. It's a pleasure to be back here with you again. And it seems kind of fitting that we would premiere the sixth season of Michigan Podcast with exactly how we originally premiered Michigan Podcast. When I first debuted my team total talent ratings, looking to find out who does have the most overall talented rosters in all of college football. And so now that we are out of the spring, the deadline to enroll in the transfer portal has come and gone. The majority of the rosters are now set. There will be some tweaking between now and when the college football preview comes out in July. But a good deal of what we are going to see in terms of these roster ratings is pretty much set in stone, or at least in solid number two pencil right now. And so a lot of you always ask me, how do I do this? Let's lay it out for you here on Michigan Podcast. How do we come up with uh, compiling the team total talent ratings? First and foremost, a reminder. These are not a power rating of teams. Let me repeat. This is not a power rating of teams. 
Did I mention this is not a power rating of teams? Because I think a lot of people don't understand that, even though I say that every time. It is a potential rating of the talent on each roster. Bill Connolly over at ESPN and several others do some great work measuring returning production metrics for college football teams. But so many guys become stars that we had no idea who they were at this time last year that I wanted to also measure returning potential to complete the picture. Like when I do my power ratings, I take these and combine them with Bill Connolly's to do my own power ratings. So again, this is not a power rating. It is a potential rating, okay? Second, we use the 24-7 sports composite ranking of the three major recruiting services, 24-7, Rivals, and ESPN. We give each player on the roster a point total based on the star they were assessed as a recruit. So a five-star gets five, uh, a five, or five points for a five-star, four points for a four-star, etc. That's pretty simple. Next... We only evaluate the last four recruiting classes. So for this year, that's 2019 through 2022. That's because fifth-year seniors at the Power 5 conference level are just not as impactful or as plentiful as they used to be, although the last couple of years because of COVID COVID, uh, eligibility exceptions, that's becoming a little bit more prevalent. So if a fifth-year senior figures prominently on the death chart, Uh, Depth chart, I should say. I think I said death chart. Uh, Depth chart, they are still accounted for. And yes, I went through all of the Power 5 teams' depth charts over the weekend, their most updated depth charts through May the 7th. All this information you're going to see, by the way, is through May the 7th to find out what fifth-year seniors or COVID seniors still factor in prominently on those depth charts. Next, we wanted to also account for teams that are considered developmental, which is what most programs in college football are. And so they don't don't necessarily get a lot of four- and five-star prospects. So as their players overachieve their incoming star rating, they're given additional points. Now, players who underachieve their star rating are not lowered points, though, because the point of this exercise is to measure potential. And we see guys like Kenny Pickett last year uh, go from you know just a guy to the only quarterback picked in the first round of the NFL draft. We see that every year. Guys develop late, right? So there could always be circumstances beyond just an overrated evaluation that has held a player back, like injuries, for example. Okay, and again, I mentioned that these are current through May the seventh. One the, the one thing we have not yet done is those bonus points for players that have overcome or overachieved their star rating. That will be in the very final update we will do for the college football preview in July. All right. So those are where, from a Big Ten perspective, a program like an Iowa, a Wisconsin could take another leap in those ratings once we start applying those overachiever bonus points. All right. But with that said, coming out of the spring, here are the top 25 most talented rosters right now in college football. Number one is Georgia. Number two is Alabama. Those two, since I've been doing this in 2017, this is the sixth year now, those two have been ranked in the top three every single time, which probably surprises nobody. And you can see there's a there's almost close uh, to half a recruiting class or about a quarter of a recruiting class difference between them and everybody else. Texas A&M, on the virtue of this most recent class they signed, which is one of the highest rated in the internet service recruiting era, comes in at number three. Michigan is at number four. 
Clemson and Oklahoma are tied for fifth. Now, again, you can see, though, the point totals here between Michigan at four and Notre Dame at 10. We're really just talking about a few players here or there. And in Michigan's case, the Wolverines are still four players over the scholarship cap. All right, so they're going to lose some points here and probably be uh, a little bit closer to where Notre Dame is when we do this in July than where they are right now. Ohio State is seventh, uh, which is low for them. This is the first time they've not been in the top three. But remember, this is the year where the recruiting class, which was not top 10 between Urban Meyer uh, retiring, I guess we'll say, uh, and Ryan Day taking over factors prominently into this year's ratings. So I would expect that to be just a one-year thing, that they're not a top-three roster, and they'll be right back to where we're accustomed to next year. But again, we're talking about them being down. They're number seven. right? Penn State and Texas are tied for eighth. You can thank the transfer portal for where Texas is rated. Notre Dame uh, is number 10. Florida, which has also been very aggressive in the transfer portal, comes in at number 11. And LSU, which has been Texas aggressive, and Oklahoma's been aggressive in the transfer portal as well. They come in at number 12 with the 12th most talented roster overall in Brian Kelly's first year. One thing to note is 12th is where Michigan was last year in these final team total talent ratings, and we saw them finish number three in the country. The next 20 or the next uh, half of the top 25, Miami at number 13, Oklahoma State, this is the highest score they have ever received in the six years we've been doing this. Stanford at number 15, that might surprise you. It surprised me that they had the most depth of talent returning in the Pac-12. Doesn't mean they have the best team, just the most depth of talent. Wisconsin is back up to where they have normally been. Last year was a bit of a dip for them, but now they're back to where they normally are. North Carolina is at 17. Minnesota, with a crap ton of fifth and COVID seniors, comes in at number 18. Old Miss at number 19. They've also been aggressive, patching holes in their roster via the transfer portal. And then there's transfer portal U, which is USC right now at number 20 tied with Tennessee Michigan State if USC's not transfer portal you it's Michigan State Spartans come in at number 22 and then we have a three-way tie for number 23 to close out the top 25 Kentucky Oregon and Purdue with 269 points now you need to know though that if I did this like a top 50 it'd only be a handful of points between teams in the top 20 teams rated 25th and teams rated 38th that's really where coaching and how good of a quarterback and your top line talent comes into play for how good of a team you are. But this is, again, just meant as one part of my metric for power rating teams, along with returning production. If Bill Connolly tells us how good these teams are right now heading into the season, I wanted to find out, hey, how good low could they be? Because that's how you find outliers. Right. That's how you get ahead of the 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 win total markets is you find out, oh, hey, this this team's got a lot coming back this year. They might be ready to take a step back or this team lost quite a bit. And if hey, the frontline players are still probably pretty good. But if there's any injuries, they could take a step backwards. So that is the point of that exercise. And we'll discuss it more in detail with our good friend Mark Rogers here in a moment. There it is, that familiar intro, which means it's time to welcome in friend of the program and perhaps the one and only 
reasonable Buckeye himself, Mark Rogers, who himself has a heck of a channel right here on YouTube, the voice of college football, where they don't take any breaks. They roll year-round, but we took a bit of a break, and now it is the premiere of our sixth season already here on Michigan Podcast. Mark, it's good to have you with us. Brother, how are you? When you're working from a talent deficit, Steve, you can't take any breaks. See, that's the secret. <laughs> you can't do that. I got to tell you, the amount of people that just freaking lost their minds over the fact that basically because Michigan's four players over the scholarship limit and will likely lose three to five guys who are probably just waiting to get their degrees and then with the transfer portal, okay, uh, and will still probably end up second to Ohio State in terms of overall talent when it's all said and done. I mean, the amount of Ohio State fans I heard from that lost their damn minds over this, I, 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 maybe I shouldn't be surprised. There's a reason they call y'all buck nuts, man. Maybe I shouldn't have been. And I mean, like just a terrible level of disrespect that they were seven. I don't make the, the rosters, dude. I just add up your points that are on the roster. That's that's all that I do, and we just got caught. This is kind of a year where this this is the year where the the class that didn't finish top ten after Urban retired and Ryan Day took over kind of figures prominently in these ratings. But we're talking about right now they're the seventh most talented overall roster. It's not a power rating. I keep telling people that. Okay, I was trying to fill in a missing gap for my power ratings on. All right, who's got, you know, some guys maybe returning we haven't heard from yet, so they could be a surprise, or the other way, they could surprise us in a negative fashion. But what's your reaction to the team total talent ratings, which have Alabama and Georgia in the top two as they have been, or they've been in the top three every year I've done this, and they're way ahead of the field right now. So we'll dive into the conversation that you've started between Ohio State and Michigan. We'll go that route because I wanted to get there at some point. Uh, So I love what you do, Steve. You know that in regards to the total team talent rankings, because I think you probably have to continue to explain it, uh, as I do to other people by extension over and over and over, that C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, the proven great player who has reached his potential, equals the Graham Mertz, DJ Uyangalele, who has had playing time, but has proven, at least to this point, not to live up to the right. five-star. Right. That equals the Quinn Ewers, Tyler Buckner, five-star, that hasn't played a snap, hasn't Correct. shown us anything. Correct. Because every year, I don't know, I, I trying to predict who the Kenny Pickett is or the Joe Burrow is, if you could do that, dude, you'd be living in Vegas and not talking to schmucks like us for a living. But every year we have this guy, right? I mean, Kenny Pickett has been benched almost how many times at Pittsburgh? And last week he was the only quarterback picked in the first round of the draft. And so that's what I'm trying to figure out is who has that. To me, that's the missing piece of a preseason power rating. because the And I should state this more often. My point in creating this metric was to win betting markets for win season win totals to get ahead of betting markets to figure out all right whose margin of error maybe is a little smaller this year because their overall depth is a little bit down and obviously less depth means less margin for error and then whose margin for error might be a little bit higher because they've got more depth than they typically do so they got more darts to throw at the board that's it it's not a power rating and it was never intended to be I would obviously not rank Ohio State seventh in a power rating heading into the season unless I just didn't like money. 
So uh, the biggest variable in all this is not uh, what's going on on the field. It's it's the head coach on the sideline. Yeah. So I've kind of divided the head coaches into a number of categories because that obviously is the biggest impact on these individual teams. So you've got your legends and Nick Saban's the guy. So whoever else you want to add to that is being proven and proven to be great. But of course, he's the guy. Then you got proven commodities who there could be a, a, a variable in terms of how we would rate them. James Franklin, you know, there, there's all sorts of people that would rank him as a top 10 coach in the nation. Others think that he is underachieving greatly, but he, at least he's he's proven. We know that he's going to show up and do his thing, and he's he's been doing it for years. Um, we've got guys that are proven, but now they're in a new locale. And obviously, there's some huge names there with Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal. How did they acclimate themselves and turn around, um, in USC's case, a horrible team performance last year. In Miami's case, a, a team that was was on the cusp of de- being decent. Uh, you've got guys at new levels. So the first coach that I found in the top 25 list that you had there that's now trying to prove it on another level is, of course, Billy Napier at Florida coming mm-hmm. in from Louisiana. Then you just have Dan Lanning, who's just a new head coach, period, um, taking over the highest profile of the new head coaches uh, situations with uh, Dan Lanning. All right. Texas has both of those variables working against them. A head coach who's proven to be mediocre in his other stops and a quarterback who... And a program man, that's pretty mediocre. It's averaged seven wins a year for the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. How they don't have a drafted player twice now in eight NFL drafts is just beyond... I think Texas has been in the top 10 of these team total talent ratings all six years I've done this, by the way. And, and the quarterback position is uh, certainly... The, the ceiling's high with Quinn Ewers. And even with Hudson Card, I don't know who's going to win that job. I assume Ewers is, but uh, we don't know. And I think Texas A&M is kind of a uh, a smaller version of that because their quarterback position is not great, and it may turn over to a inexperienced guy in Haynes King who only started a couple of games before he got hurt last year. Okay, the other things that stand out to me, Steve, Georgia. It's it's insane. I'm not. Yeah, it doesn't sound- matter. Remember, remember when like. Danny Sheridan didn't matter back in the day. Didn't matter how many guys Miami lost to the NFL would just pick him to win the national championship every year. And he thought he was nuts. Well, we weren't following recruiting and stuff the way we are these days. Okay, and he just knew they were just loading up Miami Dade County. It just didn't matter. It just oh, yeah. it, it, it didn't matter if Jerome Brown was gone because uh, here came Cortez Kennedy. It just didn't matter, right? That's where Georgia's at right now. They just put eight guys off that defense in the last two drafts were picked in the first round. They've got three other guys for next year picked to be in the first round. That means that that entire defense they started last year was essentially first-round draft picks. When you look at this point total, it doesn't matter how many of those guys they lost. They've got so many darts to throw at the board. There's no way they just won't be great on defense again, so it just it doesn't matter. Now, there could be the argument, and I'm not making it, but the I know that the argument's out there in terms of, again, not what you're – rankings are dealing with but what is the performance going to be in the field without that experience and proven talent on the field but yeah i'm not arguing with it i just think it's mind-numbing how much of a machine they've got going at georgia to be able to lose 15 players to the nfl draft 
five first-round defensive players and still maintain the number one most talented team in the nation. Okay, I'll get to the one issue I have with all of this, and it's apropos to our little segment here, Ohio State and Michigan. Okay, how is Michigan, having lost more, not necessarily more talent because of the great wide receivers lost at Ohio State and they lost a a highly rated uh, offensive tackle and so forth, but they lost a lot of talent that was needed and is needed. You know, Dax Hill, Hutchinson, Ajabo, uh, Hassan Haskins may not translate to the next level, but at the collegiate level, uh, I'm not so much concerned about that with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. But considering the addition from your 2021 rankings to 22 is the addition of the 22 recruiting class and Ohio State was fourth and Michigan was eighth and I believe I pointed out a few weeks ago that gap between four and eight doesn't seem like much on the surface but is the same as being between eight and 23 that Ohio State gets eclipsed by Michigan in the rain I don't I just don't see it and I was looking at Ohio State's 22 class Steve they've got two five stars on the defensive side coming in Mm -hmm. and eight position players ranked in the top 25 of their class at their position on defense. Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, I'll tell you what makes up one difference between number four and number eight. Your five-star quarterback transferring uh, out of uh, – or you're talking about 22, not 21. I'm sorry. So I thought you were talking about the Quinn Ewers class. But that's just one class. This is Remember, we're going back to the 19 class. That would impact it. What's that? You're right. That would have impacted. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's essentially the difference between a number four and number eight class. Most of the time, is the number four class has a five star quarterback, and the number eight class may not. Or the number eight class is the number eight class because it has a five star quarterback, and the rest of it is just kind of so so. Okay, but in the case of Ohio State, this is where its 2019 class. Uh, is 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 somewhat down because that is after Urban Meyer ste- stepped aside and Ryan Day took over. That's the only time I can think of I could find uh, at least pre uh, in in the internet era that so we're going you know to the beginning of Jim Tressel basically that Ohio State did not have a top ten class this entire time a consensus top ten class was that year. Also, Michigan has retained a crap. T- it's funny. Last year was the you guys thought we were just a team of fifth year seniors. There is a crap ton of fifth and COVID year seniors on this year's Michigan team, actually. And that's the biggest that's the biggest difference. And then the other big difference is Michigan is four players over the Ohio over the scholarship limit. And so they're going to suffer some more attrition and knowing the way Michigan does business. These are guys that want to get their degrees from a prestigious university. And after they get their degrees here, we'll be announcing, it'll be announced that they're not going to be retained or they were agreed to to move on. That's what will happen. Or they're done with football. That's what will happen with that because there's still four scholarships. So even if those were only all three-star players, that would be, that would be about 12 points off of Michigan's, um, Michigan's uh, total, and that would put them about where they are most years under Harbaugh. Most years under Harbaugh, once you know, once you get into the year three, and now your program's established, and you have that consistency, most years they're anywhere in these ratings between about two ninety five and three ten. And so you take away the four guys over the scholarship limit that Michigan is, and they'll pretty much be right where they normally are. And Ohio State will just be a few points down because. It's 2019 class wasn't as good as what it's accustomed to. And there's been some retention issues on the defensive side of the football. I think you would agree, and Michigan showed this last year, 
there is still some, maybe one or two less wide receivers and one or two more linebackers, maybe, on the defensive side. That the recruiting there has, has it, it, the recruiting's been maybe a little one-sided from a dynamic uh, playmaker standpoint. But again, we're just talking about a Don't fraction of players. Yeah, the way we're going in college football, maybe we can add that element to it, uh, trades between programs. In Ohio <laughs> let, me, let me do this to you, Mark. Let me show you the Big Ten. Let's lay out the entirety of the Big Ten. You can see these numbers, okay? And so, you know, we're Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Purdue rank because they're all in the top 25. And now here's the rest of where the Big Ten is right now. Nebraska at 259. Iowa and Maryland are tied next at 256. Rutgers, this is the best score Rutgers has ever had in the six years I've been doing this. Uh, Indiana at 243, Northwestern at 211, and Illinois is threatening with the lowest score I've ever had for a Big Ten team in the six years I've been doing this. And Brett Bielema has just decided basically, remember he told us last year, I got too many guys on this team that aren't good enough to be on the team. So they're clearing out a roster there right now, and uh, their point total kind of indicates that. So... This this basically tells you that the Big Ten East teams are those top three are always more talented. Wisconsin is back up this year. They were kind of down in these depth ratings last year. They're back up this year. Minnesota is loaded with fifth year and COVID seniors. Uh, Michigan State, of course, has become transfer portal U. Uh, and and there's Purdue, who you know they brought back David Bell and George Karloftis. That would have put them uh, right there next to Wisconsin atop the Big Ten West. So now that you can see the Big Ten as a whole. What are your thoughts? I'm still going to argue this Ohio State point to another degree. And this is just not me saying, okay, the eyeball test tells me that Ohio State's more talented than Michigan. Uh, just one more note on that 2019 class that was rated 14th in the nation, according to 247 Sports. It did have the third best player rating. Right. Average player rating for Ohio State. But, but that, that would factor into a power rating. This isn't a power rating. It's, it's, a, it's a potential rating. It's 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 how I help. It's it's what I think is the missing link when I'm doing a preseason power rating, is who may have the players that could make a difference that I don't know who they are. That's why Bill Connolly doesn't do returning starters but returning production because there's so many sub packages and everything else with guys who never start but play a lot of snaps, right? So I'm trying to figure out who has been building up to a year. And then who's maybe been who's maybe facing a cycle down year? That's what I'm trying to figure out. That's all. It's just one piece of information. That's it. Your list tells me this as well. Not that we didn't already know this. James Franklin is underachieving. No He's doubt. Got a no doubt. Roster. He's eleven he and ten in the last two seasons. Mark eleven and ten. Yes. yes. Eleven and ten. And, and if you're a Penn State fan and you're seeing you're seeing mock drafts where Will Levis is the number one pick in the draft, which is crazy, by the way, he won't be. But but he's a first rounder on everybody's mock draft. And you're looking at year 12 of Sean Clifford. What are you freaking thinking right now if you're a Penn State fan? I'm going to say it worse than that, Steve. Four and five and seven and six adds up to 11 and 11. Oh, yeah. My math was bad. That's why I couldn't get into Michigan. There you go. I missed it. Yeah, it was uh, even so worse. Seven and 11 for Franklin. But my goodness, yes. And and he wasted a, a what could have been a great defense. What showed us at times was a very talented, near great defense last year. They wasted it. They lost about half of it. Okay. What it also tells me, if you go from Wisconsin to 278 down into that 250 range, I would have to know a little bit more 
uh, about your talent rankings to know whether that's significant, but it, it doesn't appear to be. So it seems like it's not significant if you're healthy, right? Okay. Like, like, like if we stacked up Iowa starting 22 with Purdue's, okay, you'd probably prefer Iowa's, right? The question comes into play is if Iowa has an injury riddled season and Purdue does not. That's where that kind of stuff comes into play. Again, the point of this exercise is to measure margin of error. Is a team's margin for error expanding in a given cycle, or is it diminishing in a given cycle? That's what this is meant to measure. And then when it comes to Brett Bielema, his approach may be sound, but his execution in this first recruiting class was abysmal. Agreed. He just brought yeah. bad recruiting class. Yeah, I think he's going to probably have to go the full Mel Tucker here and become uh, – now, maybe academically they can't do it. I don't know enough about how – you know, on a university level at Michigan, it's very difficult for us to take transfers that are not either grad transfers or freshmen because the amount of, of credits that would transfer to Michigan – that Michigan will agree to accept because of its snobbery is not high. And so there's not a lot of guys that like want to just wipe out their sophomore year of credits to come to Michigan. Right. And so if you're a freshman, you don't really care about what happened your first year. And if you're a grad transfer, that issue is settled because you've already got your degree. I, I don't know what Illinois transfer policy is. I, I know for a fact, Michigan state's transfer policy is pretty lax because when I couldn't get into Michigan, I took advantage of their transfer policy and left my JUCO after one year. I couldn't get into Michigan, but I couldn't get into Michigan State, which is typically a joke by Michigan fans, and I'm living proof that that joke has truth behind it. So there you go. And then when you integrate uh, the rest of that into the entire nation, um, I would be interested to see whether the recruiting rankings of the SEC dominating with typically, what, 10 of the top 20 mm-hmm. – of the top 25, something in that range that should transition into your team talent rankings because you're pretty much a believer, if I understand this, that Alabama and Georgia being the very best and most talented teams in the country, that the rest of the SEC might be the best, but not by much over the Big Ten. Correct. And then I think if we're in a cycle year with an LSU like 2019, right, and that's an all-time college football team, but I just think Alabama and Georgia – are um, Miami and Florida State in the um, in the eighties and you know early nineties uh, simultaneous? Tell us otherwise. What's that? Your rankings tell us though otherwise. No, they the, say the that Alabama and Georgia are just way better at a re- are recruiting at a level way above everybody else. That's what but they looking say. Looking down the rest of the top twenty-five to thirty, that the SEC does dominate the rest of that list. So A and M is third. Um, that's three teams. Florida's 11th, um, LSU is 12th. So they've got four of the top 12 teams, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And so the Big Ten has three of the top 12 teams. Five for the SEC out of the top 12. Oh, you're right. Correct. Five and three. You're right. Yes. And then the last thing, uh, this is way off the radar for our discussion, but Stanford, my goodness. So I'm not understanding the metrics, but I'm also seeing that you've got them, I believe, 15th in the country they're 11 and 19 the last three years yep uh their recruiting rankings are 19 43 21 i'm not getting how that's transitioned now i would get how it would have transitioned 
marginal recruiting classes that overachieved a la a Northwestern of two of the last four years. You ever heard the saying, make it up in volume? Yeah, like Northwestern's a good example of what you're talking about. Make it up in volume. In other words, if you don't have a product that you can uh, sell for a very high price singularly, you try to sell lots of iterations of a product that you can sell cheaply. You make it up in volume. This is a year where Stanford, this is a year where Stanford was not blown away by the loss of guys who could not get into grad school. That kills that's killed them the last few years. The amount of guys they've lost to the transfer portal who couldn't get accepted to grad school and then their senior classes were just decimated. This is a year where that didn't happen. They got also a five-star quarterback returning in Tanner McKee. So this is a cycle up year for them. I mean, if I were like, I'll I'll tell you right now, I, Stanford's eighty to one to win the Pac-12. Now, last year I bet Utah fifteen to one to bet the, to to win the Pac-12. That was one of my best bets on my Patreon page. That win helped pay for my family's universal spring break vacation back in February. Okay, I'm gonna bet Stanford eighty to one to win the Pac-12. I don't believe they will win the Pac-12, but I think they return enough depth, and the Pac-12 is so bad. That at 80 to 1, I'll put 10 or 15 bucks on it. Sure. You know what I will strongly bet? Is if Stanford has a win total of like five or five and a half or six, I will absolutely be recommending Stanford over that win total as one of my best bet win totals for this year. Because it's clear from a depth standpoint, they're in a cycle up year. Do I think Stanford has the 15th best starting lineup in college football? No, I don't. But do I think that their roster is poised to get back to being uh, competitive in a postseason team this year? Yeah. Particularly when you look compare it to the rest of the Pac-12, which is not very good. The Pac-12 collectively is the lowest rated um, slot of teams in this I've ever had. and I, In fact, there's no one that's even actually close. So that makes sense. That makes sense. The whole thing makes sense. I love it. I've got certain disagreements, but I... In a sport and certainly a season, meaning the offseason, where people just randomly spitball all sorts of rankings and ratings, I love, I get way too much of that, can't stand that, Mm -hmm. but when there are rankings and lists and ratings that come from metrics, that I love, and that's what this is. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. We love you too, man. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for joining us again this week on Michigan Podcast, Mark. Thanks, Steve. And I love the blue shirt. Make that a regular. It's Kentucky blue, by the way. (laughs) Nice. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, how worried are you about Michigan's slow start to the 2023 football recruiting class? 48.48, let me try that in English, 48.8% of you said kind of, but it's still early. 28.6% of you said very worried, and I'm, I'm approaching very worried status, actually. Um, 22.6% of you live in a world that I'd like to reside in of not worried at all. Which brings us to our feedback of the week. And this is from Marty Max in response to Chris Hinton leaving early from Michigan just to go undrafted. And he writes, it was a terrible mistake on Hinton's part. Like it was in the cards, he was not getting drafted. He literally did nothing most of last year. Mozzie Smith was better than him and still came back knowing he wasn't ready. That This is really mystifying to me. Um, and I can't remember the guy's name. Donovan something or other was a corner out of California. 
that was at the end of the car era, at the beginning of the Rich Rod era, and was Donovan Warren. Thank you. I just remembered. Uh, was very uh, adamant that he had to go pro early, and we were all at the time like, yeah, that's a bad play. Didn't get drafted and ended his career. Just a just a bad life choice. I don't understand why Chris Hinton did this. Um, good student, so it's not like you know he needed to to you know get ahead of the academic posse. Family's well to do. Dad is in the ring of honor with the Indianapolis Colts. So again, it's not like he needed the money. I I just don't understand, man, how a guy with that background and that level of academic prowess could so f- terribly fail to read the room, but it is what it is, and we wish him well now as an undrafted free agent. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. The season premiere for Bigger Ten will be next week with a two-part episode wrapping up uh, spring football, both for the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West, with early look-ahead thoughts at the upcoming season as well. Because, folks, by the time those season those uh, episodes air next week, as crazy it is, as it is to say, we'll only be about 100 days until the start of the 2022 college football season. So that will be for next week right here on the channel. Make sure you're tuned in for that. Uh, In the meantime, remember to like, rate, follow, subscribe, five-star review, whichever applies here on however you watch, like here on YouTube or listen, like on iTunes or Google uh, or Stitcher. All right, so make sure that uh, you let other Michigan fans know about us so that we can find other Michigan fans just like you. It's good to be back. Thank you for tuning in. Until the next time, here on Michigan Podcast, go blue.